Okay, I see a few people still here. Good. Okay. If there's one thing I know, what's the first one? God is real. If there's one thing I know, it's time to grow up. And the third one is, if there's one thing I know, you have to forgive. Okay, Luke 17.1. And some of the scriptures will probably come up. Some of them may not. But Luke 17.1 says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him to whom they do come. Okay, offenses will come. It's impossible that no offenses should come, okay? That's the key. Offenses will come all the time, every day, maybe every five minutes. I don't know. But what I do know, they will come. Don't let it be through you. Woe to him that it does come through. But I want to talk about it today because I want to say, I want to tell you guys that probably at our church, the number one thing that people come up for prayer for is we find offense somewhere or they haven't forgiven somewhere in their life. I mean, the first thing I ask, someone comes up for healing, is there any unforgiveness in your life? Is there any known unforgiveness in your life? Because if there, if there is, we got to deal with that now. Um, <clears throat> the definition of offense is unfulfilled expectations. It's an expectation for a position. Maybe you had an, expe um, an expectation that you were going to be um, uh, a relationship. You thought you were going to marry somebody that it didn't work out. Or your marriage ended, and it's the expectation that you thought you'd be married forever to this person. <laughs> um, it can be um, an expectation for a friendship, where maybe you started out being really close with someone and um, kind of confided in that person, and you had an expectation that you would be friends for the rest of your life, and that friendship ends for whatever reason. So that's where offense enters. It enters in when you are expecting something that does not happen. And let me just tell you something. Does that happen regularly? Yes, we all know that, okay? James 4, 1 and 2. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain or desire. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Strife starts always from the things that you want. Strife always starts from there. Your desire or what other people have. I was talking to you about social media. I was talking to you about different things, um, you know, the pros and the cons. I mean, every single age, you know, has to deal with this in some way, shape, or, or another. Like, you'll hear, um, you'll be looking on social media and you'll think, I've, I had a girl that came up to me at church one time and said, I'm leaving the church. And, and we said, why? You know, we're like, we're thinking, what, what happened? You know, she'd been there forever. She said, well, my daughter didn't get invited to one of the leader's um, parties. And her daughter's like two. Okay? And, and so I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you serious? And she's like, yeah. And see, this is the deal. Offense and unforgiveness is never rational. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you have a loser husband that you married, bad picker, and the, the husband leaves you, has an affair. I mean, there's some that you're like, oh, my gosh, I want to hate him too, but I can't. And so, because we have to forgive. So sometimes there's, you know, we can all sit here and say, man, you, you deserve, you deserve to, to be mad at that person. Or you deserve to, to think about forgiveness or unforgiveness in that area. And this was just crazy to me. And so it's, it's very irrational. Offenses are very irrational. They come from everywhere. Okay. Don't compare yourself among yourselves. These are all things that you guys know. You can probably quote the scriptures back to me. 
2 Timothy 2, Paul says that those who are in opposition or offended are taken by Satan to do his will. Okay, I'm going to say it again. 2 Timothy 2, Paul says that those who are in opposition or offended, if you are offended, you are taken by Satan to do his will. Do y'all need to hear that again? <laughs> That's serious, okay? Um, most people don't even know, some people don't even know they're offended. It's a total trap, it's subtle, and it starts out like, you know, that person really bugs me. I don't know why she, she bugs me. I can tell she's, she's wanting to date my boyfriend. And what will happen is the enemy will make sure that things line up and things will happen, and that girl may not even be interested in your boyfriend. But before you know it, you have judged her, you have, you have put her in a category, and what happens is you're dealing with the unforgiveness. You're dealing with the offense, not her. You are. And so it's a complete trap to get you to, to not go further in your life spiritually. Um, and there's a theme to this whole thing. Um, example, like a breakup. Um, if you're single and you, you, um, you have to forgive fully or you won't move on. I mean, people having babies, why, why did so-and-so get pregnant right away? I've done everything right. I, I, um, I lived by the word my whole life. I was, I was a good girl. Um, you know, I got married, and it's been years. You know, there's a big thing right now. As you guys know, in the church, I'd say that's one of the number one things, too. A lot of girls are having issues with pregnancy. Getting pregnant, staying pregnant, um, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we can sit here and we can say, well, it's what you eat. It's the environment. It's, it's this, this, and that. What is it? Spiritual. Spiritual. If the devil can take out our kids and the devil can stop the growth and, and, and us ministering on this earth, that's the way he's going to do it. And so we have to be wise to that. The devil only knows what you tell him. Okay? So a lot of people think the devil's like God. Oh, he knows everything. I don't even have to ask God for this because he already knows what I need. No, that's contrary to the word of God. You do ask God. You do pray. It says you, at, you don't have because you don't ask. Okay? Same thing. The devil totally does not know what's going on in your life. He only knows what you tell him. So if you're going around telling your best friend, the person next to you, I'm so mad at this person, um, this is what she did. It goes straight to the heart of the hearer. So this person may not have had an issue, but now they do because that's all they can think about. And the devil makes sure it grows and it grows and it grows. And now you've got two people offended, two people having to deal with unforgiveness. And then it just, it's totally the enemy's plan to just not move anything forward. And I think women are really susceptible to this. I mean, I think you guys probably would concur on that. The person that can hurt you the most is someone close to you, your husband, your best friend, pastor, your children. And the example of that is Judas. Of the 12 disciples, Judas was the one that um, betrayed him. And what's crazy about that is he actually went up, as we know, kissed him on the cheek, and, um, and that's, that's when they knew that he was, said he was Jesus, the, you know, the Christ. And I think it's just crazy because Judas had to be extremely familiar with Jesus to be able to do that. You don't just go up. In the South, people do kiss each other on the, on the cheek. But, like, that's an intimate knowing. There's a lot more to that. If you really delve into that and really um, 
look at that, Judas's relationship. Um, he was very, very close. And close enough that he could go up and kiss him without Jesus even thinking anything, you know, or, or doing anything about it. Okay, so I'm going to give you, and, and also one of the reasons why it's always so close because your expectation is higher and your guard's down. So I don't know why I keep bringing up the in-law thing. There might be someone in here that's dealing with an in-law issue. But, you know, um, a lot of times it'll be your in-laws that will, um, w- that will be used to carry an offense in your life, okay, between you and your husband. And so, sometimes some of you guys are laughing. But so, sometimes, seriously, sometimes you will have issues, you know, when people get married. Like my son, he got married a year and a half ago, and we love our daughter-in-law. She's, I mean, when I met her, I knew immediately she was going to be our daughter-in-law. He was dating someone else right before her and was talking about getting married. But when I, when I met her, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know this is going to be, you know. And so um, she just fit in our family. And to this day, she does. And so, um, you know, we're very careful, Bill and I, and believe it or not, Bill being so outspoken, that we are very, very careful about what we speak about with them. Um, They have a baby now and six months old. And believe me, you guys do things, the younger ones that have babies, y'all do things completely different than we did. I mean, we slept, you know, they slept on their stomach. You guys sleep them on their back. We had blankets all over them. They, they say, don't even put a, almost a bumper crib in there anymore. I mean, it's like, it's just crazy. All the things, immunizations, um, formulas, do you breastfeed? I mean, it's just, it's all over the map. I don't know how y'all do it. I really don't because I'm just like, my other daughter is, is pregnant. Um, and she's just looking up all this information. I said, you know what? Be careful how much information you're looking up because, you know, just be led by your spirit. And that can be with any subject that we want to talk about. That was not part of this plan. But, um, okay, so I'm going to tell you another story. And the bathroom does enter in on the story, okay? Um, we, we, Bill and I had started the church uh, 24 years ago. We started with six people. And we never planned on being a church. We had talked about um, the city actually hired Bill to do youth activities because um, there was a main thoroughfare in Tulsa and it's called Memorial Drive. And guys were, and girls were driving up and down Memorial Drive at all, all hours of the night. And so the public was outraged over it. Well, then there was a boy from a high school that had stopped at a subway, got in a fight with another guy, and he was, a, he was a wrestler at one of the big high schools. And the guy shot him and killed him in the parking lot. And so the city had found out that Bill was, he was speaking to um, sports teams and that kind of stuff. So they called him and said, would you be willing to be, the mayor did, would you be willing to be on this task force to try to take these kids off Memorial? And we will pay for everything. You can call it what you want to. Just provide an alternative plan for these high school students. So anyway, it was awesome because we had nothing. <laughs> we had two little kids. And so it was, that's kind of how Guts even got uh, they did commercials for us and everything. And so it was just one of those things that, like, God just provided all that. But so we, before we started with six people, and this was part of the six people, we had a couple of meetings at people's homes. We were actually attending Bobby Andian's church. I don't know if you guys are familiar um, with Grace Fellowship. Bobby Andian is an excellent teacher. And um, we were attending his church, and he wanted Bill to be the youth, um, youth pastor there. And we had moved from California. We were living in Hemet, California. And Dick and Betty Mills were there. And so we, um, we were traveling with them and, and working with them and working at this church. So we moved to Tulsa. We started, we, we already had friends in Tulsa because I'd gone to ORU, Bill had gone to Rama, 
And um, we had friends, and then those friends knew friends that we had kind of met over the years that we had been gone out of town in California. So we moved back to California. These three couples decide they're going to have this meeting in their home because they want to be part of God's church. And we said, well, listen, this is probably just going to be a youth church. It might even be just on Monday nights. It may just be Sunday nights. We, we're, never, we're not even going to call it a church. We're not, um, we're not going to be pastors. It was never in the plan. Um, and Bob had wanted us to do the youth. So we came together with Bob, and Bob's like, listen, I just want my few um, kids in the youth to be ministered to. You scare me with what you think about outreach, you know? Like, I mean, we're not really caring about the outreach. We want to be like a training center. And so we're like, hey, that's, that's great because we want, you know, he was worried about the music being too loud, and we're wanting the music to be loud as can possibly be because teenagers love that. And we are friends to this day with Bob and just Bob and Loretta Yandy and just absolutely believed in us when no one else did. And um, so it was very cool. Well, these three couples really wanted to get behind this, and we had known them for years, and they had kids, and they were friends with our kids. So we met at, we met at these three homes. And um, one of the homes of the couples that were involved in the home, we got very, very close with all of them. We took, um, I'm going to tell you about this one family, we took family vacations with them. We, um, we went out like every weekend. We wouldn't even think about going out without us all contacting each other and saying, you know, where do you want to go? I mean, it's just, you know how when someone, you're just so close with someone, and it's like I wouldn't have even thought about, you know, doing anything without them. And very, very close, very intimate, told so many things to. Um, they told so many things to us. We went through the births of our kids. I was in the room when, when this, this girl had her baby and one of her babies and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So you get it. We were super close. Okay. Well, um, Bill, we were kind of growing the church and it maybe had been there for like a year. And um, this, her, this girl's husband um, was kind of like Bill's right, wanted to be Bill's right-hand man, and we couldn't afford to pay anybody. I mean, it was just like, we were barely, you know, just, it was youth money. I mean, it was youth group. How many of you guys have been in a youth group? Okay, you get like a few dollars or something? So, I mean, it was like, we were just, you know, Bill was doing odd jobs. He was going out speaking. He was, um, he helped build a miniature golf course. I mean, like, just lots of different things. So, um, Bill said, you know, I really, we need, I need to get some direction on the leadership because at this time about 150, 200 people maybe were coming. And he said, I just feel like that we're transitioning, you know, that, that we're needing more to expand our leadership to be able to minister, you know, and, and do what we need to do. So he went to Kansas City. He was speaking in Kansas City. And I said, well, when you're in Kansas City, why don't you just pray about it and just see, you know, what's going on? So he calls me one night and he said, you're not going to believe it. He said, I really know what we should do. Now, my husband is a huge sports person. He was a coach all the years. If he wasn't a pastor, he would be a coach right now. And, um, and he said, we're supposed to do, and you guys, got to, you guys have to remember, this was so early, um, and it was like 1990, 91. And, um, and so he called, and he said, we're supposed to do our church like a team, like a football team. He said, that's what I know. He said, I felt like, I felt like this is what we're supposed to do. He said, I, um, it's like you got on every team you have to have a head coach. And he said, so that's the pastor. And then he said, and then you've got an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams. And he said, that's these three people. And that was the three people that we had had the meetings in the homes because they were awesome in ministry. And so those were the three people. And then from there, 
came all of the players, which was everybody that came to the church that volunteered, and not one person was more important than the other. It was a team. We all worked together, and it's like whether you're the pastor or whether you're just a player, that you just want to win the game, okay? So I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, this was like revelation. I'm, I said, oh, my gosh, that's exactly it. I mean, ex- I mean, I knew we were supposed to do that as much as I knew I was supposed to marry Bill. Like that, it was like one of those things that wasn't even a question. So um, we had given this guy a little bit of money to help us, um, a couple of them, you know, not, not anything to live on by any means. They had a full-time job, and he, um, he, we were giving him just a little bit of money, but he was helping, and, and these other guys were helping. So we got the team together. Bill got back from Kansas City. We got the three people together and the other people, and we said, listen, this is what we're going to do. This is what the Lord's shown us. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, that's what we need to do. I mean, this is before... I'm not saying no one had a team, but, like, there was never a team. It was, like, kind of like the, the king and all their little helpers a long time ago, you know, where there's one pastor and his wife, and they sit up in these fluffy chairs, and everybody else is just going, what do we do? And so it's like, I mean, and I'm not knocking that. I mean, that was great for a while, but I'm just saying this was more of a, hey, we're all in this together, you know? And so it was just like, oh, my gosh, that's so perfect, you know? And um, so we were just, everybody was very excited. Well, this this guy in the meeting, this guy's face just, I mean, just, you know, you can immediately start seeing someone that's just dealing with something. And he's just like, he's just like staring, you know, and, um, and he's not that kind of guy. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So anyway, so we got done and Bill met with him privately and just said, hey, listen, I'm going to pay you double what we've been paying you. And, um, and you're going to be over this, you're going to be like the second in command or you're going to be whatever told him what he was supposed to be over. It was totally in his gifting and everything, and, and it's going to be amazing, but we're just going to bring these other two people kind of up to that, you know, to be one of the offensive coordinator or whatever. And he's just like, okay. I mean, he's just, you know, he just was not buying it, you know. So um, we dealt with that for a little bit, and we didn't, we were like, what is going on? And this is probably the first major thing that happened in our ministry. And so finally, this couple, I mean, I'm hearing things from people, um, you know, I mean, I know they're offended, and I'm thinking, how are they offended if they're getting paid double? He's still, like, Bill's right-hand person, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's irrational. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it today, but it just, it just, it, it just, just built and grew in him. So what he did is they went, and they started talking to other people, and it's like, what's going on here? Why, why is this happening? And so it just, it came, it became a much bigger issue than it needed to be. So on my birthday, which there's a common theme here, they both came with us and met with us. We went to, we went to lunch and they told us they were leaving the church. I was devastated. I mean, devastated. I loved this family, did not get it. I mean, I'm like, what can we do? What should we do, Bill? Should we go back to the old way that we did it? And it's like, no, we knew we weren't supposed to. And we just said, listen, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be better. I mean, like, better for you. You're going to have more time with your family, you know, blah, blah, blah. He could not get past it. And so, and then neither could his wife. And so I'm just like, oh, my gosh, no way. We did everything we knew to do. And uh, it, just got, it just got crazy. And so um, they left the church, and I just was in turmoil. I had no peace in my life. I was just couldn't think straight. I would drive to the church, and you know how you can drive to the church, and you can get to the church, and you haven't thought a minute about how you're driving, and you're like, I don't know how I got here, 
because I'm going over, if she says this to me, I'm going to say this back. And then when she says this, that's when I'm really going to be real with her and this kind of stuff. And I mean, I'm just like going through 50 scenarios. And then I'm at the church, going to worship. Awesome. And just unforgiveness, just building inside me. And so just peace, turmoil. So it, I mean, it was, it was bad. And so, um, I was in the shower, so I'm getting in the shower one day, and, and so I'm asking God, I said, I had read the scripture, um, and I'm going to talk about this, um, I don't know which scripture it is, but I'll get to it, and, um, and it's, oh, the peace that passes all understanding, and I said, God, how do we get, how do I get the peace that passes all understanding? Um, how do I get that kind of peace? Because this is a peace that I need, like, it's not just like, hey, be at peace, this is like, I need like a miracle peace, <laughs> That where I'm so at peace, I don't even understand why I'm so at peace. And in the natural, I could not even fathom that. And so little things were happening. People were starting to, our church did not split. It wasn't anything like that. But people were just kind of wondering, like, why aren't they coming on board? They could tell. Because people can sit there and say nothing, and, they can t- and people can tell what's in your heart. Because it just starts coming out everywhere. Well, I'm in the shower, and so I'm like, okay, um, Philippians, let's see, hold on, let me just make sure here I've got this right. So um, I'm in the shower, and I'm, I'm just praying about that piece. And the Lord shows me, you remember those old Pepto-Bismol commercials, where it shows the face, and it shows the stomach, and it shows the pink going through the mouth, and it goes down to the stomach, and it coats it, and then it's like, um, pept- they were, you know, for an upset stomach. And so I saw that, but, the, but where the filter was, was in the, it was like a coffee filter in my head. This is the way, only way I can explain. It was like the side of a person, there was like a coffee filter in my head, and there was um, a, a pitcher of water pouring into that filter in my head, and then it went down into my heart. And so the Lord kind of showed me that, uh, what I felt the Lord showed me was that it had, I had listened to things, I had... Um, not taking control over my thoughts. I had not taken control over the situation, and so um, through his word, and, um, and that it had gone from that filter, and it had gone down into my heart, and it was a stronghold at this point. And so that's what I was dealing with was a strong, stronghold. It was Philippians 4, 7, I think, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That was it. Okay, so, um, so I said, I want that kind of peace. And I'm in the shower, and I'm like, I want that kind of peace, and I need to know how to do it. So all of a sudden, I started thinking about Philippians 4.8. And if you look at Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So... I'm like, okay, true, honorable, just, good rapport. Okay, there's nothing bad in there. So it's all good. Okay, so am I, is it mind control? I mean, like, I'm talking about, you know, like, am, am I supposed to, like, try to control my mind, you know? And it's like, no. It's like, just discipline yourself, like, what I felt like, like, um, like discipline yourself like you would in a gym. And it's your muscle, and you're just disciplining yourself, and you're going and you're working that out every day. So for at least a month, I'm thinking it was more than a month, for one month, I made the decision I'm going to discipline everything that I listen to, that comes out of my mouth, and that I think on. You guys, 
one of the hardest things in the world. I mean, obviously, I'd be a size two right now if I got, had all the discipline under control. But what I'm saying is, for some reason, the grace was on this, okay? And I mean every single day, every single time, that person's, um, I'm trying not to say the names of the people, that, that person's um, face came before me. Or um, I'd see them at church, because like, this was during while they were still at church, just before they left the church. And they, um, they, I would, that, that, that emotion would try to come up or something, and I would just completely speak that scripture. Is it lovely? Is it pure? Is it of good report? You know, think on these things. And so I just absolutely just disciplined myself every day for that. Well, what's crazy is it, it was very hard in the beginning, and then it eased up a little bit. And then towards the end, you know, people were coming out of the woodwork. And this is the way I believe the enemy works, is people were coming out of the woodwork to church saying, hey, where are the so-and-sos? And I'd be like, you know, I don't know. You'll have to call them and ask, you know. You'll have to talk to them. And they'll, and, and they'll say, well, you know what I heard? I heard, and I said, stop. I would have to say stop. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I did this to male and female. I said, is what you're about to tell me, is it... Is it true? Is it noble, just, pure, lovely? Is it of good report? Is there virtue in it? Because if there's not, I cannot handle that right now. Cannot handle it. I mean, I said, I don't care. I mean, you think I can? I can't. And so I'd be like, I, I, can't, I can't talk about anything. It's not because I don't want to, because believe me, my flesh wants to. Absolutely. I mean, people, I'll cut people off on the road, and I'm the type that will, once I get to the light, will unroll my window and say, I'm so sorry. The reason why I cut you off is because I didn't see you in my mirror. And they're like, okay. You know, I mean, like, I want to explain myself. I want to, I want to defend myself. I want to say, I really didn't see you even though they're flipping me off from every corner. And it's like, you know what? And I wanted to tell people, no, you don't know what's, what's happened. They're talk- I want to say you're talk- they're talking horrible. They're not, I mean, or whatever the situation. I can't even remember. This is how cool God is. So I, I um, just kept doing that and kept doing that and kept doing that. And you guys, I mean, just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I mean, it even got more people coming up and, and saying it. And I would have to just stop people. And they're like, okay. You know, I mean, like they didn't even get it. They were like, Okay, so we're not even going to talk about it? Like, you're going to be in denial over it? And I'm like, no. I'm just telling you, I'm not in a place that I'm talking about it. So if it doesn't line up with Philippians 4.8, don't tell me. So um, it was just very cool. And so Philippians, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.35, 3 through 5, excuse me. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, which that's what it was in my life, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I, I lived by that. I was just like, I'm taking every thought. I mean, I don't care if it was like one of my kids said, I want Fruit Loops in the morning. You know, I don't want Fruit Loops. I want Apple Jacks. Like, you're getting Fruit Loops. Don't say another word. You're getting Fruit Loops. I mean, it's like, you know, I just, I mean, I just didn't mess with anything, anything in my life. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That's the only way your mind will stay on, on God is if you get in his word and you filter it through Philippians 4, 8. 
Then it says, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is necessary for the edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So that's what I live by. And people came up. They wanted to talk about it. It was gossip. It was great. It was like, okay, God's church is going down. You know, I mean, you know, you could just feel it, like, you know, how, how people are. And then, you know what? I never looked at it as the person. I always looked at it like that is a spirit. I'm not looking at it. I'm not looking at it like it's Christy Coggins over here from Tulsa, Oklahoma that I didn't introduce. It's one of our friends. I, I didn't look at it like it was Christy. I'm looking at it like, you know what? Christy may not even know that she's being used right now in my life. And so you have to look at people like that. You do. You have to look at your pastor's wife like that. I tell my congregation, let me tell you something. We have to live the word. We may be, be up here speaking, but we have to learn, live the word just like everybody else in, your, in life. And you know what? To think that I'm not ever going to say something. You know, I said something three weeks ago to a couple, and I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, did I just say that? Where did that come from? That is not even something I would say. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible. But I got convicted about it. And, like, they wouldn't even remember that I even said it, you know. But it was like, I, I said, hey, I don't know where that came from. I really don't. And it was weird. I was just teasing, but it kind of like went over into a little more than teasing. Just took care of it. And it was one of the couples that started with us. That was interesting, too. That's a freebie. Okay. So, okay. Time went on. I get to church. I'm, I'm there on a Wednesday night. Bill's preaching. I hate to say, but I didn't hear one word he said because I'm sitting there. Well, maybe I heard a couple words, but I'm just saying. I, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, it's so cool, Philipp, um, Philippians 4.8, and I'd always heard that my whole life, you know, like my whole life in ministry or whatever, I always heard Philippians 4.8, think on these things, because we hear that a lot, and I felt a leading to look at Philippians 4.9, and I've never looked at Philippians 4.9, everyone quotes Philippians 4.8, no one ever cl- quotes Philippians 4.9, Philippians 4.9 says, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And model your way of living on it. And the God of peace, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with you. There's one translation that says, do these things as I have done them. And the God of peace will reign in your life. That's actually the scripture that I read that night. Because that made sense to me. It's like, do these things. What are these things? It's disciplining yourself to, to, to think and to speak on things that are lovely, pure, and of good report. And... Um, and what ended up happening is I just felt like the filter was Philippians 4, 8, and 4, 9 was the stomach or the heart or whatever. And I'm telling you, that stronghold completely broke in my life. I mean, completely. Like, I just had lunch with this girl a week ago. I mean, it's been, that's been probably 20 years ago that that happened. And, um, I mean, I don't want to get too personal here, but I mean, like, there, our kids have been in each other's weddings I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing the restoration that's come through that. Um, they've actually moved to another state, but we stay in contact all the time. And um, I still consider her one of my best friends. And it's like, it was just total restoration. Um, okay, offense builds walls around your heart to make strongholds, and strongholds are thought processes contrary to the will of God. I'm trying to finish this up before my time. Offenses not taken care of or, or repented of turns to hatred and betrayal. That is a for sure. If you do not deal with it, it turns to hatred and betrayal. You'll start hating that person. You will. It's right here. 
Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. There is nowhere in that scripture that says you're going to live peacefully with all men. And that's where I think a lot of people miss it. It says as much as you know to do, live peacefully with all men. Never does he say you're going to live, you're going to live peacefully. So say the mother-in-law, you may never live peacefully with her, but as long as you do, know, you do what you know to do to live peacefully with her and to do the right thing, God will reward you of that. That's huge, you guys, okay? That's not me. That's Romans 12, 18. Okay, Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, and we talked about that, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, and that is totally a spiritual warfare. Communion. Communion is so important, and I talked about not knowing what communion was when I, when I came to um, ORU. I didn't know that you had to forgive before you took communion. So now... I try every time, and I'm, sometimes I'm not up on stage, but every time that we get up and do communion, I'm always like, hey, do not even come up here and take communion if you, if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Don't, don't even waste your time. Do not waste your time. You're not, I mean, you're not to take it if, if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Um, you do your part, and God does his part. We are made up of spirit, body, and soul, our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And when you lose, you lose your peace in your soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions, as you all know from Joyce Meyer, it totally messes your whole body and your spirit up. That's why disease happens in your body. That's why people get, you know, I'm telling you, when people come up for prayer, first thing, do you know Jesus? What are you believing for? Because I want to make sure I can locate where they are spiritually. And then is there any unforgiveness in your heart? And something I wanted to talk about... Um, just as a, as a last thing, is that I think um, the big things are easy to recognize that um, you're harboring offense or unforgiveness because it's easy. You know, it's like, yeah, I have unforgiveness towards my dad because he did this or my, or my mom or a friend because they were mean to me on this. But there's a lot of things I think we deal with daily that we don't really put in the offense category or the unforgiveness. It may not be like, hey, I don't, I don't, I'll never forgive you. It just may be an offense that you haven't really come to grips with yourself to say, you know what, that is an offense, and if I don't watch it, it's going to grow into something, it's going to grow into a stronghold. And once it grows into a stronghold, you guys, it's much harder to take care of. So you want to take care of things daily. I mean daily. You know, I'll just get vulnerable with you guys. Like I, um, <laughs> um, this morning, Bill wanted to talk to me about something in the office, and I'm like, hey, I can't. I just kind of said, hey, listen, I, we're going to talk about that later. Like, I can't, I'm about to, like, go speak, and, like, I can't. I'm not like you that can just get up on stage and just go. I said, you know, I mean, I have to, like, think about what I'm going to talk about and go over my notes and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm praying this morning, and that got brought up to me this morning. And I just thought, you know, I didn't think I was rude. <laughs> Maybe he does. But I didn't think I was rude, but it was almost like a check in me. It was like, you know what? I, I got to get, that's, this is not about me. This is like, I should have, you know, done better on that. And so I just repented of it real quick. Cause I thought, you know what? I don't want to come into this day and I don't want to ever come into any day. Not just cause it's a conference. I don't want to come into this with anything unrepented of with any offense in my life or anything, because you will get nothing out of this conference. If that was the case, because you have to forgive, you have 
to forgive. That's one thing you have to do is you have to forgive. And the easiest way to forgive people is to not get in pride. Just, um, you know, just search your heart. And, and if there's anything that comes up, and it may be two weeks from now. You may be hearing this message, and it's because in two weeks, you're going to be driving down the road, and a song's going to come on, and it's going to remind you of something, and you're going to go back to that situation, and you're going to think, okay, maybe I do have a little unforgiveness towards this person, or maybe I do have an offense that I need to take care of. And so we just don't have time for that. And where we are right now, we do not have time to be asleep at the wheel. We do not have time for any of this. You don't anyway but we really don't now. So I just want to pray for you guys. And I just, if everybody will just bow their head and close their eyes. And I just, I just really felt led that, um, you know, if you're dealing with offense, I'm not going to have you come up front. I just want you to just, um, just publicly acknowledge, like just by putting your hand up, you can just, you don't have to put it all the way up, but just a little bit. And I'm just going to agree with you that you're, we're taking care of this today. That's awesome. You can put it back down. And we're just going to take care of it so that you can just move on from this day forward, okay? All right, Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for each woman here, and I thank you that you forgave us so that we can forgive others. God, I thank you that whatever's going on in each of these girls' lives, I don't know, but you definitely know. And God, I thank you that they are, their heart is swept clean today. That God, that, that even the people that didn't raise their hands or, or, or that maybe have something going on in their life, God, I just ask that you just uh, minister to them if there's anything that's hindering them from going for, forward in you. And God, I just thank you that you take care of that right now. And I thank you that, that they are going to all go to the next level spiritually in their lives. And God, I thank you that we hold no offense towards anyone. But God, that you are about love, we walk in love, and we apply your word, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you guys. Thanks. That was a great word about practical application of taking that word and applying it to your life. You can know the Bible inside and out, but if you don't apply it, you're not going to see change. You want to see change. That's why you're here. You want to grow. You want to you want to let